Greetings with lovers everywhere. I'm E-Train and welcome to E-Train Talks. And here on E-Train Talks, we try to shine a light on all things books in hopes of inspiring others to discover all the amazingness that reading can bring. And today's guest just so happens to be a master of writing for both age groups that I typically talk about, middle graders and young adults. He's a man of many talents, from, from being an award-winning filmmaker to hip-hop artist to educator and a rising star in the book world. I'm so excited to introduce you all to the incredible and probably one of the coolest people I know, author Nick Brooks. Thanks so much for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me on, man. That was a, that was a great intro. Almost, almost brought me to tears. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. So I'm so excited to talk to you today and share your story. And to start off, for those of you who don't know, I actually had the honor of meeting Nick back in March at Teen Author Bootcamp. Nick was a keynote speaker, and after hearing Nick's speech and talking to him, I knew that I had to read his books. Started off with Promise Boys, his young adult story, his newest book, and then I moved on to Nothing Interesting Ever Happens to Ethan Fairmont, and they are both kidlit masterpieces, <laughs> and I know you all will love them, especially after hearing this interview. So let's just start off with, let's go to the first question. Yeah, let's do it. So, so as I said, I had the amazing opportunity of meeting Nick in person at TABC, Keynote the Bootcamp. It's like the abbreviation. Uh, so I remember you sharing in your inspiring keynote presentation that your writing career actually started when you were teaching kindergartners. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure mm -hmm. everyone listening would love to know more about the story behind this. Is there anything you'd like to share? Absolutely. Yeah, I was teaching. I was fresh out of undergrad. I did a program called Teach for America, mm -hmm. which is a nonprofit that puts, you know, young teachers into to school areas where um, a lot of times academic performance is low. And so, uh, you know, I was tasked with uh, turning this turning this class around and um, and I had a lot of fun. I, my background was in teaching middle school and high school boys. Um, I was teaching character development before I jumped into the classroom. And so it was really fun. Um, but, but one of the things I noticed off the bat was that um, there was vocabulary that our school wanted us, wanted our kids to know that they weren't quite grappling with. So whereas like attentive, thoughtfulness, hardworking, um, which are all great values, but that these five-year-olds five -year were, were not fully understanding. Um, and we would do this thing where every week um, there will be like a kid awarded for uh, the path kid of the week, right? Who, who was using all of the path values, being prepared, attentive, thoughtful, and hardworking. In my class, I'll be honest, we weren't winning. <laughs> Kids from my class weren't winning very much. And so, um, but I realized it was because they just needed the, the education. And so I started writing children's books that talked about those words, being prepared. What, what does that look, even look like? I created this character, Yanni, and, you know, she gets prepared for school by brushing her teeth and eating her breakfast and grabbing her book bag and getting her lunchbox, all of these things, and attentive and thoughtful and hardworking and so forth. And before you know it, my class was really starting to use the vocabulary, not just use the vocabulary, but demonstrate the traits that we were wanting them to demonstrate, right? So my um, principal was like, yo, what, you know, what, what have you been doing? Um, and this is when I said, well, I just started writing, writing these books, these kid books. And so long story short, we ended up using the books at the, at the charter network I was teaching at and went on to be used by, by, by schools all across the country. Um, and that's what really kicked off my journey of, uh, of writing kid literature. Well, that is so awesome. And I love the idea of kind of adding relatability to children's stories and kind of relating it to what you're teaching them because it's so mm -hmm. important for kids to not just like hear the words but also like kind of understand as you said like 
what mm -hmm. words and I guess what you're supposed to be taught. They need to mm -hmm. understand it like on a personal level. Yeah, they, they need to understand the ideas behind it, right? Not just mm -hmm. the, the words on the page. And and I'll take it a step further. Something else I did and it was very intentional about was making Yanni a young black girl, right? And I was teaching in the classroom with, I'd say, I, I want to say 100% black kids. And it was about also showing them an image that they could relate to to help them make, you know, what we call at the time, text to self connections, right? And so exactly like you said, is making um, the stories applicable, um, making it relatable, um, and making sure that the characters are somebody that they can identify with. And I kind of took that uh, with me into all of the different, you know, art art paths that I that I've been down. That's so sweet. And my next question for you is a bit about Promise Boys. So. Yeah. It's your latest and, in my opinion, greatest novel. It's a murder mystery set in Washington, D.C., which I read is where you actually happen to be from. So mm -hmm. yep. I'm a pretty big fan of Promise Boys, and I know a lot of other people who are as well. I mean, what's not to love? It's pretty <laughs> much exactly what I want to see from young adult stories. You have all the themes in place. I mean, it's also a murder mystery, yet it feels so relatable, despite the fact mm -hmm. that I don't think... Some of us probably weren't involved and main suspects in murder mystery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, so my question for you is, well, what, so actually, I just want to, so yeah. in school, we're told to like, we were told to like choose a book to write like journal entries to. And so I chose Promise Boys. And oh, yeah, uh, and one of the questions we were asked to answer is like, what is the central theme of the story? And yeah. I think that, I mean, there's so many, but the one that I really chose is, mm -hmm. well, our three protagonists, JB, Trev, and, uh, mm -hmm. and Ramon, Ramon, Ramon mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, so they, one of the th central themes is that they were kind of the prime suspects of the murder because of who they are or were related mm -hmm. to, not because of necessarily like who they're on, who they are on the inside, but rather on the mm -hmm. outside. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Do you think this message was important to you when writing Promise Boys? So absolutely. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, so you know, before I started teaching, like I said in the classroom, when I was working with boys, who a lot of them are, you know, reminded me of of Trey, JB, and Ramon. I, I was working with boys in schools who were judged, you know, on you know the neighborhood that they came from, or the clothes that they wore, or the way that they they communicated to each other. Um, they were judged on all of these different things. And not necessarily, you know, the content of the character, as as uh, Dr. Marlon King would say. And so, um, you know, that was something that I wanted to wanted to talk about and to share. Being a black man and somebody who grew up as a black boy in in America, um, you know, you you see times and time and time again where uh, black boys are um, are uh, in often cases destroyed. You know, you look at a Trayvon Martin, or you look at a Tamir Rice. You know, kids who uh, Mike Brown, kids who are kind of cut cut down before their prime um, simply because they are black boys. And so because of that, they are seen as threatening or imposing or uh, a villain um, or a criminal, all of these different words. Uh, when, when they see us is another great example, which is about the Central Park Five, uh, now the Exonerated Five. Um, so, you know, it's, it definitely was a theme I wanted to touch on. It was something I felt was like super relatable, something that's, super, you know, um, really prevalent in, the, in like the zeitgeist and the culture right now. and um, yeah, just wanted to make sure that that theme was felt, and this and it sounds like it was was received. So that's good to hear. What inspired you to write Promise Boys? Was there like an event that happened to you in your life, or something that you read 
about mm -hmm. that kind of sparked the premise? You know, not in particular. It was actually um, a conversation I had with uh, my my book partner, Kate Creative. Um, they are the ones who they had read a, a, a mystery script that I that I did, and we kind of talked. They knew my background. They, you know, I told them I was a teacher. I worked at uh, at this really high performing charter school and all these different things. Um, and they they actually suggested, hey, like a murder mystery set in a school is the, the type of thing that you're that you sounds like you're suited to write. Is that something you'd be open to, to you know, giving a crack at? And so they had me read a book called How It Went Down, which is also a multi perspective book that was really, really informative and helped me kind of like wrap my mind around um, the concept and how I wanted to tell the story. Um, I knew I wanted it to feel like a community. Like I knew every time you enter to one of the boys perspective, it feels like th there's this community around them because that's how I grew up in DC. Uh, a lot of how we identify growing up in DC is by our, our community, the neighborhood that we come from. So I wanted every boy to have like a distinct neighborhood that they came from. Um, and so, yeah, I read How It Went Down, which is I think was really informative and really inspirational. Um, I'm blanking on the author at this moment, so forgive me. Um, and then of course, my, my real life experiences, the experiences I had teaching were all you know huge inspirations um not even just my experience teaching but also my experience as a student um i think there's actually probably more things pulled from the book from my experience as a student than the school that i taught at um you know the school that i taught at had that blue line right so that's one of the things that i that i kind of took in and, and you know dramatized it a little bit for the book but yeah all, my my time as spent as a teacher were all things that really inspired like the nuances in the characters, the nuances in each boy's story, um, and really just like the school and the, the, the school that the organism is, because the school is kind of a character of its own. And all my experiences, whether like I said, as a student or as a teacher, are things that inspired that. Like I mentioned earlier, Nick's talents extend well, well beyond the written word. I mean, they're still technically the written word, um, but not necessarily kidlit. So yeah. <laughs> he has dabbled in a lot of fields as i said but to, let's talk a bit about your filmmaking so mm -hmm. you craft brilliant indie films and short mm -hmm. films as well and mm -hmm. i read that your short film hoop dreamin earned mm -hmm. the george lucas scholar award and you were a finalist in the forbes 30 under 30 film festival as mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. as winning the shames bridges and jack larson awards for writing and directing the short film b you mm -hmm. clearly you've received a lot of accolades and be even premiered at the American Black Film Festival. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. I mean, all that is pretty amazing to say the least. I just wanted to include a lot of the awards and the notability that you, your shows, your films yeah. have received from- Thank you, thank you. To everybody. Just gonna let you know, everybody, how spectacular his work is. So anyway, I'm curious to know, what are the major similarities and differences in your opinion about like between writing books and writing films, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. writing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the big, the the basic elements of the storytelling, I think, are are the same, right? Like, really strong setting, characters, plot, uh, you know, theme. All all of these all of these things are are all essential to both. Um, what I really really love about prose is that I can dive into the character's mind in, in a way that I can't unless I was doing voiceover right for for screen yeah. which I which I typically don't do actually um but it's really hard to get into the character's head as as clearly uh when you're writing for screen because 
it's just it's, it's limited it's limited space is more visual we want to see things you know we're, we're showing not telling which is the same thing that we're doing in books but as far as the thought process behind the characters i love like delving into that why they're making these choices and have them have the internal dialogue so to speak um and you know the thing about about film it just it, it moves really really quick so the pacing is is, is really different that's, that's probably one thing i like about writing for screen is that the pace is different so the story is constantly like hurtling forward and even though promise boys actually does that typically um you know it's, it's not that way right where it's, it's something that you're sitting with longer you're letting it breathe whereas on the screen particularly now with all the you know it's action flick after action flick or superhero flick after superhero flick is like constant 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 motion um so i think they both you know have their you know i, I want to say pros and cons um they just have their differences and you know and depending on the mood I, i'm in kind of dictates which one i'm <laughs> preferring to write at the moment well that's a great answer and I'm always, I'm really excited to see any other films you might have in the works when they arrive out in the world. And kind of following up on my last question. So I talked a bit about your short, we talked a bit about your short film, Hoop Dreamin'. And Mm -hmm. my question for you is, could you share the inspiration behind Hoop Dreamin' and basically what it's about? Absolutely, yeah. Hoop Dreamin' is about uh, a young man determined to uh, make his dreams come true one, one summer, right? And um, this kid is in love with basketball and he wants this hoop, that's all he really wants. And he works hard for it, uh, he tries to get it and he's let down because it's no longer available. Um, and I don't wanna spoil the end, but there's a there's a turn at the end that hopefully is pretty pretty satisfying. Um, and man, that was, you know, that was the first film I had ever made. And I made it because I was trying to get into this film school, USC, which is where I ended up going. They had this huge application process. You had to do a film and all of this different stuff. I had never made a film. Um, but I knew I wanted to tell a story again with strong themes, one, and I wanted to tell a story that featured, featured the the young kid, the young man of color, um, you know, the young black boy who is, again, I think I have an affinity for because, well, just, just because I see myself in him. And then also just because of my experience, again, I came up as a teacher, I was a football coach, I was a mentor, I did all of these things for my community. And so I always saw that I wanted to tell their perspective because again, I just, I see how how they're treated a lot of the time, and so um, and so yeah, I made made who dreaming, and and it's really about um making your dreams a reality, right? Like that's what those stories about. It's about hard work and how hard work can pay off. Um, and you know the really interesting thing is that a lot of times it might not pay off in the way we think it's going to pay off, right? It might not happen exactly the way we think it's going to happen, but it happens. Um, and so that's the whole thing behind who dreaming is just hard work, man, and and sacrifice. Um, there's a moment in the in the story where he has to make a choice. Does he go off and enjoy the summer with his friends or, you know, does he put in his work to get this hoop and he makes the choice to put in the work? So that was really the central thing behind behind Hoop Dreaming. Well, you're making me want to watch Hoop Dreaming again. And <laughs> everybody listening wants to as well. So you can find it yeah. on this website as well. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So my next question for you is a, a question about your debut middle grade novel and your debut kind of novel in the young adult mm-hmm. slash middle grade world it's mm-hmm. nothing interesting ever happens to ethan fairmont which ethan mm-hmm. is actually my name so it's pretty cool i always yeah, love yeah. books where there's like mine anyway yeah. <laughs> uh, without giving away any spoilers can you talk a bit about ethan's story so we're just saying yeah. my name yeah <laughs> yeah ethan ethan is uh, a great kid man he's 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 fun he's inquisitive he's a scientist he's an inventor um he's an aspiring mayor 
you know, he has big dreams. Um, and uh, because he has all of these dreams and he kind of lives in his own world a lot of the times, uh, a lot of the time he's, he's, it also isolates him a little bit, you know, he doesn't have um, a ton of friends. Um, and so he spends a lot of his time at a, at a local uh, abandoned warehouse where he, he collects all of these gadgets and things to, to, to work on his inventions. Um, and it's there that he finds uh, one day an extraterrestrial friend who's, who has crash landed and is trying to get home. Um, and over the course of the book, we learn that they're actually escaping the intergalactic war that's brewing and all of these really cool things. Um, and Ethan, along with the friends that he, that he does accumulate over the course of the series, they, um, they help, uh, they help his friend to get back home and many more things. Part two, um, too many interesting things that happen in Ethan Fairmont actually comes out this November. So, um, you know, if you haven't had a chance to read Ethan yet, anybody watching, a great it's a great time to tap in because part two is coming uh, in a few months and another thing that i loved about nothing interesting ever happens to ethan fairmont it's a long title it's a bit of a mouthful but you know it's yeah. a great title yeah, yeah. so ethan you for short. Some, yeah <laughs> yeah so you added some really important and powerful themes in ethan's story and you wrote them in a way that kids could relate to because of course kids can but also in a way that they could understand like through writing i guess so mm -hmm. the, People love this. There's so much interesting things happening. I'm just using interesting because it's in the title. Um, yeah. But there's also like learning learning experiences, talking points. Mm -hmm. And one that you included is bringing up the rules for interacting with the police. And mm -hmm. Ethan then learns this in the story. And it's really a mm -hmm. powerful teaching moment that, that you included. There's mm -hmm. also things mm -hmm. of family, friendship. I know I'm droning on and on with this question, but... No, it's fine. I'm just curious, uh, is your protagonist, Ethan, anything like you or someone you know? Because it's kind of similar. It might be a similar answer to what you said with um, Promise Boys. But is Ethan mm -hmm. anything like you? Yeah. Yeah. Ethan, I, I, I'd say a lot, you know, like as a growing up and still as an adult, like I'm very, very inquisitive. Um, always wanted to invent things, build things, break things apart, see how things work, see what made things tick. Um, you know. Ethan is like the version, if I were, Ethan's a way smarter version, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> I wish I was building robots and everything. <laughs> that was, that's yeah. pretty cool. Um, but yeah, but certainly, he, as far as that, that brain, you know, I, I wish as a kid I had found an abandoned warehouse that I could have all to myself. Like, that would have been so cool. Uh, or, or find a, a, a friendly extraterrestrial mm -hmm. friend, you know? Um, so yeah, certainly I would say Ethan. There's a lot of a lot of me and Ethan, which is which is why I was really like drawn to write that character because I felt like I feel like all kids have a little bit of Ethan in them, and it's just about pulling it out, you know. Yeah, some people yeah. have more of Ethan than others. Like people, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you also yeah. think that the story is kind of inspired a bit by like ET because it seems kind of like um, that movie 100%. as well. A hundred percent, yeah. ET, you know, Close Encounters. Mm -hmm. um I'm obviously I'm a huge movie buff right so yeah. that's another thing with everything that I write it's it it has you know hopefully the the cinematic quality and yeah. the okay. sharp dialogue and it and it and it, and it paints a, a really vivid picture and it calls back to maybe movies that that we've seen or movies that we love yeah yeah that's a great quality in a lot in this story but I mean there are a lot of great qualities but that's just one of them so yeah yeah Let's talk a bit about your hip hop and your the music that you write. So yeah. you go under the pseudonym Ben Kenobi, and yeah. 
I mean, this might either be a really uh, um a like a in smart question or a really dumb question. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious to know. Um, well, first of all, I I'm sure everyone's thinking this. This guy is not just a filmmaker. He's not just an author. He's not just a teacher, an educator. Yeah. He's also yeah. a rapper. So yeah, yeah. he's got to take that in, everybody. This is a man of <laughs> talents that we have. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I think we're all really curious. Are you a Star Wars fan? Is that what inspired Ben? Yeah. The name? Uh, yeah, 100%. Uh, big Star Wars fan. Um, you know, my dog's name is Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> who sleep right here um you know it's a lot of it's crazy because even with getting the george lucas scholarship to usc um to coming out of usc and working on season three of mandalorian you know oh, wow. um you know it's a lot of i have all of these like touch points <laughs> with with star wars but certainly ben kenobi that you know not to be fair i chose that name as a kid you know i i started doing music as a kid um 14 or so um and and it kind of it kind of just stuck with me, you know. Um, I hadn't actually put out music in a long time. I just put out music again for the first time in 2020 when pandemic hit, because I was sitting around kind of like bored, like everybody else trying to figure out what was going yeah. on. Um, so I kind of just, you know, for for me, it's all about uh, creativity, man. And just like, it's just again, it's just I love writing. I'm passionate about telling stories and. Um, and, and words really make you feel feel a thing. And each medium, film, book, music, I can tap into different emotions, different parts of me, different experiences, different memories, um, and and have different audiences. So mm -hmm. it's uh yeah, it was it's, it's it's a really fun way to express myself without the pressure of trying to participate in a commerce, right? Yeah. With books or with or with movies, uh, you know, I, I operate at a capacity where it's 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 all at the end of the day for commerce you know it's um a company trying trying to look at a bottom line uh, whereas with music is something i can just do as a <laughs> do as a hobby and it's kind of fun well it's so cool that you have all these different mediums that you can kind of channel your creativity into you have filmmaking you've got music and you've got writing as well or i guess yeah writing all this stuff so book writing yeah. to be more specific. yeah 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 so yeah, absolutely also, just Mandalorian season three is my favorite season. And I guess that <laughs> you being there is probably one of the reasons why. <laughs> no, it was it was a great experience. I, I yeah. was um shadowing the director Rick Famuyua and um his assistant. And um it was great to see how how that show comes together. It's a mm -hmm. really, really crazy, crazy yeah. ride. Um and so I don't think there's a spoiler. I don't think I was, the, the Jack Black episode and everything aired, right? And Lizzo and all that. Yeah, yeah. Just making sure I was like, hold on, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying anything I'm not supposed to be because sometimes I do that. Um, but yeah, it was cool, you know, being on set and while they were filming that and, and just how, seeing how everything was made was really awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, this is kind of a bit of a, I love having segues from like statements to questions. And yeah. so I'm, I mean, this actually is not really a segue because it's a completely different topic. Jack yeah. Black is not really related to book banning, but you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so an yeah, extremely yeah. relevant topic that I find coming up more and more, especially with stories like yours and also LGBTQ+. All these different stories are just kind of, you know, they're they're being banned, they're being censored, yep. and it's 
so important to keep the conversation going to end book banning and yeah. kind of also keep it in the mainstream so people need to know that this is still happening and happening at yeah. a drastic amount so yeah. um first of all have you dealt with censorship with any of your work and what's your stance on book banning and how can we end it yeah i haven't dealt with any censorship surprisingly and i think with this next book that i'm writing the one that i'm that i'm that i'm working on now to, to hopefully have published um I think I might run into some problems with that. So we'll see. Um, I'm always down for a fight, man. I, mm -hmm. I, of course, I stand with authors and um, <laughs> yeah, again, I'm, 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 I'm down for a fight. I'm, you know, anti-establishment, <laughs> I guess. I, you know, I want, I want, um, I'm for the people. So yeah. Um, I think, you know, as far as stopping it, we really just have to, you know, we have to become extremely active politically, locally. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I think, um, you know, I think a lot of times the way people view politics, like you're just commoner who's just, you know, um, it's about the president election. And sometimes maybe you have like, uh, you know, the election of the mayor of, your, you know, your city that you might be really tapped into. But I think we have to get really, really, um, serious about our, our local governments, you know what I mean? And if we want to, I mean, the only way we can be able to end it is if we, you know, is, is politically. Um, and so um, we just have to remain vigilant. Um, we have to remain active. And um, like you said, doing things like this to continue to spread the word and, you know, try to fight the good cause. Absolutely. That's such a great answer. And yeah. I think another thing that we can discuss as you are a writer in the filmmaking industry is the WGA strike currently. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so what mm -hmm. are you currently a part of the strike and uh, what's your opinion on it and how can we kind of spread the word about that as well? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm, I am. I'm again, standing stand in solidarity with my fellow writers. Um, and it's one of those things that needs to happen because yeah. when you look at the, the, the pay structure of streaming is <laughs> just is, is blatantly unfair you know it's grossly unfair um when you're having writers um and then it even extends to directors actors all types of creative personnel who are not receiving what they're owed because because tv is changing right tv and film is changing the way that we consume it is changing and so the laws need to change to keep up with technology right and so um i'm 100 percent standing in solidarity with the wga um pins are down uh and for me like i said i'm writing another book anyway <laughs> so <laughs> so it all kind of worked out for me but yeah. um but uh but yeah and and as far as getting the word out there same thing you know doing things like this spreading the word telling people to support um and just really put pressure on uh stakeholders right these, these companies hopefully they start seeing some some changes again commerce changes in their bottom line and and then their constituents are like asking questions saying, hey, what's what's happening? What's what's going on? Um, we can't just have this industry stop because that's what's happening right now. The industry is, is, is it feels like, um, you know, it feels like nothing's happening right now. Yeah. So a lot of people are really anxious. Um, a lot of people are in tough spots. And so, yeah, I'm hoping it I'm hoping it ends soon. Um, but it's, it's really no telling. Yeah. And I certainly stand with the writers as well, because it's so important that writers get the pay that they deserve they're basically it's just horrible and as you said gross that people, mm -hmm. that people aren't receiving what they deserve and mm -hmm. i feel like that also is a topic discussed in all kinds of different mediums and 
society as well, like the teachers, yeah, editors, like we saw with the Harper Collins strike as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, people are. We have a, a lot of things, different things happening, and then like with the inflation and housing crisis and student loan debt, right? Like all yeah. of these different things that are putting these additional pressures on citizens. And so they're turning and, and looking at the, you know, this top-down kind of uh, economy that we have and saying, hey, we like, what's happening here? So now we're starting to see this, right? We're starting to see these, these breaks in all of these different parts across, like you said, all different industries, all different job titles, all different occupations, all different career paths. Like everywhere people are feeling it because there's all of these pressures that are happening. And so something's got to give. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, man, with this, with this next, actually with this next book that I'm writing, I'm hoping to talk a little bit about like labor unions and some other, some other cool things that I think kids need to start thinking about. I'm um, not even just kids, young readers, and quite frankly, young adults too. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's happening and it's happening. It's a lot of change happening right now, mm -hmm. but, but which also excites me. You know what I mean? I think this is, that means that there's a, um, there's sort of a, uh, a, a sort of revolution happening, you know, uh, intellectual revolution happening, and now it's just about time to put those those things into practice and start and start getting some real change. That's such a great way to put it, an intellectual yeah. revolution. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm also this is a bit of a follow up question to a previous question that I had. So we've talked a bit about hoop dreaming. So mm -hmm. it is about basketball. So I'm curious, mm -hmm. are you in a, a big NBA fan? Yeah, I am. I mean, I, I've always been a Lakers fan, to be honest, because Kobe, I grew up watching Kobe. Uh, I, I'm not so, going to uh, throw up on that yeah. uh, on uh, true talks. <laughs> oh, oh, like, uh, you're a great guy, so I'm not going to criticize. I'm not going to criticize that too much. <laughs> Are you a Warriors fan? I'm a Kings fan. I'm in Sacramento. Fan. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, I was. I didn't know if you were in Sacramento or the or the Bay. Um, Kings. Whew, yeah, that's. A lot of, lot of, whether it were the Kings or, um, yeah, I think it was the, it was the Kings and the whole Tim Duncan era and all of that. It was yeah. just, that was always rough to watch. Um, so, you know, but like, like you said, we won't, we won't hold that against each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's time for a rapid fire questions. <laughs> no, there's no A in front of the rapid fire, just rapid fire questions. Gotcha. So gotcha. All right, so this uh, answers will be maybe like a sentence or less, or I mean, I guess you could kind of yeah. go. Uh, well, okay, first of all, a movie you can watch over and over again. Hitch. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so cats or dogs? Uh, dogs. All right. What's your favorite meal? It could I mean, not necessarily like breakfast, lunch, or dinner, just like your favorite meal it could be from any of them. You know, I really like, uh, <laughs> I like, lamb chops <laughs> all right and if you could choose if you could choose one song to play every time you walk into a room what what, what song would you choose kind of mm. like a theme song yeah it might be uh maybe encore by jay-z oh yeah that's a great one <laughs> all right so what's a superpower that you'd want yeah um i think superpower maybe flying that's a great one <laughs> all right and then speaking of superpowers who's your favorite superhero oh that's a good one um you know i'm gonna have to go with my childhood one, which was uh wolverine that's 
That's an answer <laughs> that I have not heard, but I love the answer. Yeah, yeah. All right, and my final rapid fire is what are some words that you live by or like a quote that you live by or something? Mm, there's this quote, uh, what is it? If the power of love overcame the love of power, man with no peace. Um, and I, I'm familiar with that quote through, uh, through, through Jimi Hendrix. Um, and it's just something that, yeah, I think it's a powerful quote. That is one, one powerful quote. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> so now the question that I've asked every person I've interviewed, if you could be, or if you could meet any literary character, that could mm-hmm. be meet, being or meeting your favorite author or favorite book character, like fictional mm-hmm. or real, who mm-hmm. would it be and why? Mm. It's a toughie, a, I know. It's, a, it's, it's really tough. Um, you know, because there's so many, there's so many great, so many great characters um absolutely i'm trying to go i'm trying to go less obvious because i have some obvious ones and i'm like again i'm trying to go i'm trying to go back to like also like childhood like Mm -hmm. like growing up like what what that would have been for me um and you know growing up there was this character that i think i i you know uh just for the sake of of conversation uh his name was john henry um and john henry worked on uh the railroad he was a steel driver and he was said to be uh the fastest steel driver ever oh yeah um, story. yeah yeah and one of the reasons i i'm curious about it you know there's some there's some debate on if he existed when he existed but i like the thought of meeting somebody who really existed just because i'd love to just get some knowledge you know like information and um and so john henry was a character that i always looked up to um and I read a lot of, again, some of the real characters. I read this story the other day about uh, Benjamin Banneker. Benjamin Banneker is a character who was, again, another scientist, inventor, um, commonly known as um, one of the first people to make a clock, American clock, the first the first almanac. Um, and uh, he's also worked in Virginia right outside of D.C. Benjamin Banneker is somebody who I think has, has like a wealth of knowledge. Frederick Douglass. Really, these are people who are like... <laughs> They're really like African-American, like, um, you know, in my mind, a lot of times they're looked at as like folklore, but these are characters that also really existed. And I think any one of those I would love to meet and like just pick their brain and and learn all I can. Yeah, those are both, those are three great answers. And I love what you said about like picking, re- they're real characters, but you can still yeah. learn a lot from them. And yeah. so, yeah, those are three perfect answers. <laughs> and Thank you so, so much for joining me on E-Train Talks. It yeah. has been a pleasure, and I'm so glad that I ended up meeting you at another boot camp, and then we could have this interview, because yeah. everybody, his yeah. stories are amazing. They are <laughs> perfect reads this for this summer, and yeah. you're going to love them. you got to read them. Thank you so much, E-Train. I really appreciate the interview and the, and the great convo, as always, and please keep in touch, and, and, and I'll see you soon. All right. And yeah, everybody, yeah. if you want to learn more about Nick, you can check mm-hmm. out his website, thenickbrooks.com, as well as yep. on social media. He's on Instagram, Twitter, all those places. And yep. on the on the real Nick Brooks on thenickbrooks.com, you can mm-hmm. find short films like yep. Dreamin' B. And you can also learn more about all of his stories and order them wherever books yep. are sold.
so yeah thanks yeah. so much for joining each and talks nick i hope yeah you'll come back again i hope we can stay in touch and maybe one day i could persuade you not to be a lakers fan but <laughs> no there's no, i don't think that's anything i could really fix <laughs> yeah. yeah oh and, man yeah yeah, yeah. Thank, so, stay thank safe, you. keep reading and i'll see y'all in the next one thank yeah. you train